Just to kind of locate what this is about, um, I'll start with the title that I've chosen. Um, and I think that in the conversations that came through in the research, there were a number of particular experiences which came up again and again, particularly in terms of those who were reflecting on difficulties. And um, those difficulties were associated with these three kind of experiences. Um, the first being identified, uh, the second being differentiated, and the third being excluded or a sense <coughs> of exclusion. Um, and those are some of the issues that I really want to explore, but the, the project that I'm talking about today um, was, it really set out to engage with interactions, to look at how LGBTQ uh, students reflect on their interactions at university, whether that's interactions with institution, or whether it's inst interactions with peers, or interactions in the classroom. And so, as has already been discussed, um, one of the reasons I'm here <laughs> is, is um, the debt I owe to the SRHE, um, because uh, this, this uh, project was made possible by SRHE funding. Um, and the project, therefore, set out to explore LGBTQ um, undergraduate student experiences focused around issues like com campus climate, the LGBTQ society, the engagement with fellow students, with staff, and with teaching. Um, the, the project sort of um, exploded beyond all expectation. Um, and where it was designed to be a small exploratory study, the, um, the questionnaire um, method ended up being quite large. And this is one of the reasons why I'm still kind of wrestling with or, or kind of trying to herd the data a little bit, um, is that we ended up with 724 usable um, questionnaire responses. But those questionnaire responses were particularly qualitative in nature. The questionnaire was designed more to elicit uh, narratives from a bigger number of people than it was to try and engage with any kind of sense of statistical data. Um, and those narratives were then <coughs> explored further within five uh, focus groups with a total of uh, 34 participants. I haven't kind of broken down the sample or reflected on age or uh, any kind of uh, particular identification. If you want that <laughs> data, then I have it, and I'm quite happy to um, offer it to you um, by email. So in terms of where this research fits with the previous research, then Elle has saved me quite a job already in that you talked about um, all of the people that I was going to talk about more or less. Um, but I mean, I, I suppose to sum up the data, particularly in terms of the UK, reflections on the higher education experience, then what we can perhaps say is that there's a combination of good news and bad news. You know, university is seen as a site of diversity, and overall there is a broadly positive story coming out of much of the data. People do feel a sense of inclusion and opportunity for a greater diversity and opportunity to explore themselves and their identities. Um, but university is also cited as being a site of bullying, discrimination and sidelining, um, particularly reflecting on the dominance of kind of heterosexist or macho cultures within the university system uh, or within the university culture. 
Um, and this is seen within both of the, the kind of national studies undertaken in 2009, uh, Sonia Ellis's and also the Valentine Wood and Plummer work. Um, and both of these see positive action on, um, on behalf of universities, particularly in terms of responding to um, legal requirements. Universities do appear to be bringing in policy. They do appear to be reflecting on their diversity and equality policies. But whether that policy gets to the point of experience, of individual experience, is, is another question. And it's here that I've started to think about the issue of uh, citizenship and um, how LGBTQ students fit into the, the idea of a, a university citizen or uh, how they fit into the university's concept of what a student looks like and how indeed they fit into the other students' <laughs> concept of what a student looks like or behaves like. Um, and so looking at um, Diane Richardson's work or Stephen Seaman's work, we see that there is a kind of a recognition of citizenship beyond the formal, the importance of the informality, um, and the, the issue that formal discussions of citizenship often lead to kind of toleration, um, and toleration is very different to, to inclusion, or to a, an idea of social equality. And so it's issues around informality and the recognition of informal issues of citizenship that lead to a greater understanding of respect and equality within personal experience. And um, in terms of discussions around LGBTQ experience, this issue of formal and informal experiences is also very relevant. Um, Jill et al. in their work on um, uh, homonegative experiences uh, categorize two different types. There's the direct or the, the um, explicit homonegative behavior and also the subtle homonegative behavior. Um, and I think <coughs> in terms of reflecting on LGBTQ experience at university, there's a requirement for us to try and also engage with this issue of subtle discrimination or subtle exclusion or the, the continuing presence of subtle reaffirmations of the university space as a heteronormative space. And then in the literature on UK discussions of um, HE LGBTQ experience, um, there's a lot of letters there, wasn't there? Um, then um, there are two particular uh, examples stand out. The first, um, Todd Johnson's work, which Ali also talked about in terms of student accommodation and how student accommodations are um, marked as being heteronormative spaces <coughs> through a variety of behaviours and actions. Um, and also Ripley's work, which explored um, the classroom, uh, class, class content within the classroom. Uh, and they argue that students expect heterosexual examples and whenever non-heterosexual examples are used they stand out and they illustrate this expectation of heterosexuality within the classroom. And so those kind of issues of um, subtle engagement with um, 
heterosexism is one of the things I really wanted to explore. Um, but before we get to that, I wanted to give the broader picture, and this is kind of as far as I get with statistics. Um, so, in terms of the questionnaire data, there is a broadly positive story emerging out of the data. For example, it, when asked if they agreed or disagreed with the, the following statements, um, almost 90% of responses agreed that in general they find their fellow students to be accepting of LGBTQ folk. Um, and over 85% um, agreed that they are comfortable at, at university as an LGBTQ individual. Um, whenever the focus moves towards more um, inclusive action on the part of the university, then we see the numbers drop a little bit, but still the majority <laughs> response. Um, the majority agree that their university positively <coughs> engages with LGBTQ events, that being almost 60%. And when asked about experiences of direct discrimination or particularly verbal or physical abuse, then the number who have experienced that <coughs> is around 20%. So, uh, responses to the statement, I have previously experienced verbal or physical abuse based on being an LGBTQ individual by a fellow student, um, around 20% agreed with that. However, there is a, a something that I need to say here in that many of those who I disagreed with this statement went on to, in more um, narrative responses, say, well, obviously there are those few idiots. And so there are people who are not identifying every experience of um, verbal abuse as being something worth reporting in terms of verbal abuse. And I think there's something within that itself that I want to come back to towards the end in terms of the construction of positive stories. <coughs> Okay, so how are these positive experiences reflected on? These are some clear examples of the sorts of positivity that are being talked about. The first one says that university is much better than what went before. So it's much better than it was at school, and people in general seem fairly accepting. Another is emphasizing that university has been a space for a positive experience that university has helped me to come to terms with and enjoy my sexuality. Um, and a couple of different specific examples of that where um, one person talks about one-to-one uh, -one with a lecturer which was their first real one-to-one -one engagement with s someone else who is openly LGBTQ identifying. Um, and the other example is it, someone sending in an email to explain their transition and the positive responses and the, the careful responses that they receive from staff were seen to illustrate the university as a positive and <coughs> engaging um, context. The last one I think is really interesting. Um, it, this is a, a questionnaire response. It says, staff in my department were keen to attend voluntary LGBTQ related training put on by the LGBT society. And I think it's that last bit that I find particularly interesting in the fact that the training is put on by the student society rather than the institution. 
it's something that was discussed in a number of ways um, because although these are very positive um, experiences and understood to be positive experiences there are limits to them the first example that I gave is actually this is better than before so it's better it's not best um, and there's a sense of kind of counting your blessings or kind of accepting the positives that are there and not threatening those positives by challenging challenging other things the idea of rocking the boat is seen to be quite a dangerous thing to do and so some of the narratives talked about you know I'm, I'm proud to be LGBTQ but I'm not militant and that kind of um, separation or hierarchy of appropriate uh, living of identity um, is coming through in data as well. But despite those positive understandings of university, there are also some quite different understandings of university. Some understood university as being uninterested. Um, that, and this is where that, that quote about the LGBTQ society is really important because a lot of people talked about how the university doesn't really do anything it's up to the student society and this sort of um, pushing off responsibility for the welfare of LGBTQ students onto the student society is one that's seen across the board by a number of the respondents but it's it's also almost illustrated in some university websites <coughs> where, where uh, <coughs> Websites for potential students, uh, particularly potential LGBTQ students, say, here's a link to our LGBT society, or the, the student society, that might, you might find useful when you come to university. Um, the other way that universities were talked about were in terms of being reactive. So this was again a positive, or understood to be a positive narrative, where people said, well, um, there were some experiences of bullying, but the university reacted to that, and so it's much better now. But the reaction was to that specific incident. It wasn't necessarily a broader reflection on the campus climate or the attitude of the institution. Um, and so the other thing is that um, that reactive nature was seen in terms of uh, other positive engagements with LGBTQ experience which were seen to be very much episodic. So perhaps some universities engage with LGBT History Month, or um, perhaps uh, at Pride, there was some kind of display uh, within campus as well. But these were again particularly episodic, and they were seen to be special occasions where LGBTQ students were recognized for a specific time period. Uh, finally, uh, in a more negative issue, um, a, a number of the narratives talked about university avoidance of LGBTQ identity and experience, um, and particularly when there were issues, uh, going back to the talk Johnson discussion of um, halls and university accommodation, often there was a a response to uh, experiences of discrimination which said, well, these are two people that disagree, we need to separate them, and that's the issue. 
Um, so it was an avoidance of any kind of idea of um, homophobia within the campus or engaging with issues of discrimination more broadly. So we've looked at the positive, but there were also a whole variety of experiences which were much more negative uh, in terms of the broad picture. Um, di experiences of direct discrimination or, or homophobia could be understood under these three headings. Um, experiences of verbal abuse, experiences of threat, and experiences of physical abuse. Um, the verbal abuse example is um, uh, one respondent said, I hear gay used as an insult a lot. Dyke and Fag less often, but not uncommon. And this is kind of the issue in terms of verbal abuse that often verbal abuse, though, was understood by the abuser as being indirect. It wasn't directed at any one person particularly. Um, so it wasn't that particular individuals were being called um, uh, a dyke or a fag. Um, it was more that those words were commonplace within student discussion, particularly within heterosexual communities. Um, in terms of threat, um, this is uh, one particular example which came up but illustrates a broader issue in terms of threat. It says, everyone is talking about their latest conquests, and I said that I kissed a girl, and there was total silence for a while. Then one self-proclaimed lad said, well, you won't be kissing any more girls for a long time. I got off with a lesbian last week, and she fucking loved me, so you might do too. And there was this issue of threat was particularly present for um, female-identifying LGBTQ individuals. Um, particularly in social spaces, the idea of being sexually threatened by heterosexual men. Um, but threat was also present in another way. And one of the narratives talked about being threatened by their peers or by their friends. They said that my, uh, my close friends understand that I'm gay and they accept me as gay, but if I were to be more public, about my sexuality, then they give me the impression that they might not be so supportive. And so that sense of threat to inclusion was also present. And finally, there were a number of discussions of physical abuse. There were a small number, but they were significant. I suppose one is significant. Um, interestingly, the majority of um, stories of physical abuse which were present within the, the narratives received were discussions of abuse by heterosexual females um, that were particularly experienced by female identifying LGBTQ people. Okay. So that illustrates that there are still some examples of particularly direct experiences of discrimination or uh, homophobia. But what I want to engage with now for the, the rest of the time is um, the issue of <laughs> informal or, or subtle um, experiences. And um, these are the themes that I'm <coughs> using. Um, these change every time I look at the data, but this is where I am at the minute. 
Um, so I've identified four. Um, that, so a, a subtle experience of exclusion in terms of being absent from discussion. Um, a subtle experience of constraint due to an experience of rejection. Um, uh, subtle experiences of categorization in terms of being labeled or being interrogated. And an othering, which is often discussed in a more positive way by the people reporting it. But it's an othering which treats LGBTQ people as being different, exotic, or erotic. Um, and so those are the issues that I want to explore. Have I got time? You've got as much time as you like. We can shorten the discussion at the end. Thank you. <laughs> um, so this, this issue of absence or exclusion, uh, I've I identified three different ways that it seemed to appear within the narratives here. Um, Exclusion from institutional policy. Uh, this person says, I can't think of any time the university has ever been involved in LGBTQ issues. Um, so that's kind of clear. Um, so it wasn't necessarily an active um, exclusion, but it just wasn't present. Um, in terms of curriculum, this person says, uh, there has been a severe lack of engagement with LGBTQ issues within my course. I'm studying a healthcare profession and we have communication skills modules that entirely sidestep LGBTQ issues. So in terms of the construction of curriculum, there was often a sense that LGBTQ experience was uh, missing. Other people talked about the history of discrimination and classes would talk about uh, issues around race or gender but wouldn't engage, engage with sexuality. Um, so the sense of, of uh, gaps within the curriculum being almost, um, or being experienced as being exclusionary in terms of LGBTQ experience. And there's a really clear, direct example of a classroom exclusion, a sense of the, the, the absence of LGBTQ identity or the possibility of LGBTQ identity. And I'll just read this one to you because it's quite long. Um, I felt uncomfortable once because a teacher showed a clip of an actor and an actress. The teacher remarked that all the women in the room must have been drooling over the actor and then said, oh, and for the boys, the actress was hot too. I guess it's not appropriate in the classroom to begin with, but I felt embarrassed. A few people knew I was bisexual and I was terrified that someone would make a joke. It was uncomfortable and actually I felt that the teacher's comments seemed to completely dismiss that anyone in his class would be LGBT. Um, so just in terms of the, the everyday quip that's made here, this, this one moment, this one insignificant perhaps moment, is actually experienced very significantly by this particular person. In terms of constraint, um, constraint by the institution. This one uh, is interesting on a couple of different levels. Uh, this person says, we've been trying to get a rainbow flag held publicly on campus during LGBT History Month for the last few years. Every time we've been told it would be inappropriate for open days. But um, inappropriate how is never explained. So there's no kind of direct discrimination here, perhaps. At least no explicit discussion of discrimination. But the, the word inappropriate is, is perhaps slightly concerning. Um, and that inappropriateness, not just of the flag, but the inappropriateness of the people asking as well is the issue that I think is 
coming through there. Um, that, but then also, um, constraint by friends or peers, and I've given you two examples here. The first says, um, the campus is very welcoming, there's very little discrimination that I've noticed, but the student body is very right-wing, and not always comfortable with overt things such as pride or queer activism. So, they're accepting as long as you don't overstep the boundaries, as long as you don't challenge what they're willing to accept. Um, and others talk about how um, engaging with other students, they just get a bad vibe and so they don't engage with the issue at all. Okay. Um, in terms of the final two, I just I want to draw out these issues as kind of everyday experiences. <coughs> um, the experience of being labelled and the experience of being othered. Um, so in terms of labelling, here's some examples. Um, this one, uh, I have a friend who I lived with in first year. Ever since he's known about my sexuality, he's just called me lesbian. My name doesn't exist anymore and he'll shout in the library, oh, you are right, lesbian, and that's it. Um, I don't care because I love him, but yeah, it's like a defining factor. So here is a story of positivity, a story of love between friends. But in that story of love, there's a clear labelling of difference. Um, and perhaps you might argue a clear um, sense of insult or discrimination or bullying or um, publicly overstepping a mark of comfort anyway. Um, and then the other two engage with the issue of interrogation. First says I'm bisexual, so the entire night was them asking questions about how does it work? Are you allowed to sleep with other girls? Um, like asking me really personal questions. And then that experience in terms of a trans individual who says I've been asked questions which would never be asked of a cisgendered person. For example, what's below your belt and how do you piss? And these were again engaged with by the individuals as not necessarily negative engagements. Um, because they were seeing an interest within the questions being asked, but they were still uncomfortable with how far those um, discussions went. So even within experiences which were broadly understood as positive by the person reporting them, they underline uh, an everyday experience of negativity or discrimination as well. And that's where I want to... Um, this discussion of the other um, and the idea of LGBTQ people at university being seen as exotic or indeed erotic um, the first uh, says one of the first that this is discussing a, a student society stand at um, a freshers fair and they said uh, one of the first people that came and signed up was someone that was just going oh that's so cute do you just sit around being gay all the time that's so cute can I come and sign up so I can see and this is a, this is quite an extreme example of the issue but other people talked about how they might have come out to friends and their friends would say oh, I've always wanted a gay friend let's go shopping and those kind of very stereotypical kind of responses um, were clear throughout the narratives uh, an issue that was particularly experienced by um, female identifying bisexuals uh, was uh, this one male friend said that's hot and I'm, I'm not sure if that's positive or negative um, so this 
is a, a kind of a presence of um, sexuality within friendship discussions, within friendship groups. Um, a sexuality discussion which uh, <coughs> sort of identifies and embraces difference on one level, um, but also very much casts greater light upon that dif difference and every day is that difference. It, it, it excludes again. So one of the things that I've drawn out as I've been talking through this is I uh, hope I've drawn out is the sense that some of these experiences were understood as being positive um, by the people who have reported them. Um, and I think that illustrates a, a sense of responsibility that was present in the narratives. And that responsibility was a responsibility for a number of different things. A personally felt responsibility to fit in, to focus on the positive, to not make people uncomfortable, and to not overreact. And so to, um, to not challenge, to accept the inclusion that's been offered, as limited as it might be. And there are some particular examples of this. Uh, here, one person says, my straight friends occasionally said things that I was not okay with, but probably due to drunken silliness rather than actual homophobia or meaning to hurt me. So that construction of an ex excusing narrative, uh, which is more extremely seen in this example, um, where he talks about his flatmates who say that my, some of my flatmates went drunk, they called me and him the batty boys. Someone could have taken serious offence at that, but I know them, and there's absolutely no negativity behind it. And so again, that construction of that particular narrative as not including uh, negativity or discrimination. Um, this one, I, I haven't had any negativity. Um, some people ask questions. Some people jokingly try to turn me, but all stop if I ask them to. And um, and the final example I think illustrates this this, this issue perhaps most concisely uh, in terms of the 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 issue of quantity that's that's present here. This person said the people on my course aren't really that homophobic. So I, I think that um, following on from previous literature, there's some good news and some bad news. There's um, a clear evidence of positive experience amongst LGBTQ students. Uh, th this in terms of uh, a feeling of inclusion, uh, acceptance by staff, uh, engagement with diverse issues within the classroom. All of these things are present in some of the narratives. But um, similarly, continuing episodes of negativity and, and indeed cultures of exclusion are also present throughout many of the narratives. Um, I think that going to the issue of agency is quite interesting, <coughs> in term, interesting in terms of this effort to find positives, which was perhaps present in some of those final narratives, um, and the, the efforts of individuals to find a positive space and a positive story within what they're experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, <coughs> And so I think I just wanted to end in terms of the question of what, where to go from here. And I thought that Elle's suggestions were really positive. Uh, the, the 
emphasis on the development of informal rejection of rejection of the informal presence of diverse experience on university campuses and to um, challenge informal discrimination and, and um, heterosexism uh, through a more obvious informal presence of diverse experience. Okay, thank you. Thank you.